Good evening. My name is Monica Romick, and I'll be reading our scripture passage tonight. Um, it is from Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 30, and you can find that on page 712 of the handy NIV Bibles we have. If anybody um, forgot to grab one on their way in and needs one, you can raise your hand. We have some lovely volunteers who are happy to provide you with one. Um, also, if you don't have a Bible at home or if you just need a new one, um, feel free to take one of these home as our gift to you. So our um, page 712, Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside, knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from the east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. The word of the Lord. Thanks. We pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Just open our hearts to hear what you have to say. Uh, use my um, uh, weak and human lips and words to, to speak uh, and use your words on these pages. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in Luke chapter 13 tonight, and we're kind of talking uh, about a big question. Now, We've all kind of wrestled with some of those big questions in life, like, why am I here? <laughs> What's my purpose? Uh, you know, is there a heaven? Is there a, a hell? There, there are these kind of big questions that everyone asks at one point in their life. And I think one of those big questions is, will I be saved? So when I die, will I be okay? Uh, and how can I know if I will be okay? Will I go to, to heaven? Will I go to the good place? Then we all take you know, different approaches to answering this question, and I wanted to kind of put four pictures up on the screen of different ways that we, the people, answer this question, will I be saved? So if we're looking at the top left, a man on a hike, a man on a pathway. So this, this way that people answer is that, there's a mountain, and we're all climbing to the top of the mountain, but we're taking different paths. In other words, every religion, whether you're uh, Muslim or Christian or Hindu or, or, or Buddhist or atheist, it doesn't really matter because we're all just taking the same path or different paths to the top of the same mountain, and at the end of the day, we'll all float on okay. So that's how some people answer that question. The top right, we have a girl who's, who's praying. This kind of way of answering the, the question is, 
Well, it's not what you believe, it's that you believe that matters. So as long as I have faith, as long as I believe in something, like that's what matters, as long as I'm a spiritual person. That's actually a variation on the first picture. In the bottom left, we have, well, I'm a good person, <laughs> right? I, I, I'm kind, I, I have a good attitude. I, 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 most of my good deeds, my, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. I, you know, I'm no Hitler, <laughs> I've never committed murder. You know, I'm going to be okay. That's another way that people answer this question, will I be saved? In the bottom right, well, that's a picture of, a, uh, of our weekly worship service, right? <laughs> Not quite. But it's a picture of people worshiping. They're in a, a church setting. There's some of us that might say, well, I, I'm going to be saved. I'll be okay. I'll go to heaven because I go to church. Because I have those spiritual experiences where I, I raise my hands or I, or I just feel like I, like I will. Or maybe like a, a little variation of that is, well, my family is Christian. <laughs> I've grown up going to church, going to church every week. I, I've put money in the offering plate. Like I've literally like bought my ticket to heaven. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? If you just kind of invest in eternity, you'll get there. Well, these are all different ways that people answer the question, will I be saved? And I think our passage tonight, I know our passage tonight, I know that Jesus, he actually gives a different answer. He doesn't put one of these, these answers forth to the question, will I be saved? In our passage tonight, someone came up to Jesus and asked him a similar question. I want to go ahead and read these two verses. We're looking at verses 22 and 23. So Jesus, he's traveling to Jerusalem. He's going from the kind of Galilee region. He's traveling down to Jerusalem. Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? I think there's like an implied question. Like, am, am I going to be one of those Few people, like if there's only going to be a few, according to your teaching, am I going to be saved? Now, he asked this question, or this woman, this man, we don't know. This person asked this question because Jesus had been teaching something a little strange. See, Jesus, throughout his ministry, was teaching that, that your ethnicity is not what matters in God's eyes. And this was a little strange to the Israelite nation. See, they had been taught throughout the history. You can even look in the scriptures, find texts, that Israel was God's chosen people, God's special people, God's chosen nation. So I think there was this assumption that then filtered throughout the people. And I'm, not sure, I'm sure not everyone held this, but there was this, this assumption that, well, if I'm Jewish, if I'm from Israel or Judea or Jerusalem, that I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those saved people. But then Jesus comes along and, and seems to be saying, it's not about where you're from. It's not about even what you do or, or say. It's actually about who you know. You see, Jesus goes through his ministry and, and seems to say, you will know if you are saved all on your relationship on me. <laughs> How you relate to me matters for your eternal security. 
And if you reject me, you're not one of the saved. Jesus actually doesn't answer this man's or woman's question in our passage. He, 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 he kind of redirects it. And he, re, he redirects it with two allegories, two little illustrations. And we're going to look at those one at a time to see what they tell us about this question that we're answering, will I be saved? So let's look at the first allegory. The first allegory is that of the narrow door. And it teaches us this truth, this truth that God has given us, that not everyone will be saved. Not everyone will be saved. So if we think back to our, our first image, this already knocks out that idea that, well, we're just all climbing the same mountain and it doesn't matter what path you're on. This means like there are different pathways leading to different destinations. And we want to make sure that we're walking on the right pathway so that we're going to the right destination. I want to read verse 24. Let's just hear it from Jesus himself. He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. This word for effort is this this word, it sounds a lot like our, our, our modern English word agonize, agonize. It's the, it's the word ag- agonizomai, and it means pretty much to agonize. It means to struggle, to fight, to strive. And for some people, it would actually, they, they use it often to describe like people in athletic games, so perhaps it was used of gladiators, perhaps it was used like the time of the Olympics or any other sporting event. And so when you perhaps heard this word, you might, you might think of a sporting event, of people striving together. In our context today, I know that every one of you on the weekend is sitting down and making time to watch CrossFit. Like this is, this is the word, right, for CrossFit, agonize. You can also think about other sports like baseball or football or soccer, less interesting sports. <laughs> but when you, see, when you think of an athlete, what do they do? They strive. They make an effort. That, they're, that it's not just everyone is, is shooed in. Now, does that mean that, that we're saved by being athletes who work hard? No. Jesus is not putting forth what we call a works righteousness paradigm. He is not saying, well, as long as your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, like that's what pleases me. So already that knocks out another one of the pictures. That's not true at all. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. The narrow door. When I was uh, growing up, sometimes our, our Groups of people, friends, uh, myself, sometimes our, our church group, we would go to this cave system that was near our town. Now, it was kind of on the outskirts of town, and you, it wasn't a long cave system, but it started with this very narrow opening. The, the opening was probably, I don't know, 12 inches uh, in diameter, and you had to kind of like slide through probably five to eight feet between these two rocks to get into the cave system. And many of you who are claustrophobic would be like, no, I'm not going in. And so there were always times when we went with groups of people that some people would not get in. A father, a sister, a friend. 
And Jesus is saying something similar. He's saying there are, there's going to be people that we care about, Lord willing, not ourselves, who will not enter and will not be able to. Because they didn't, <laughs> well, we're going to get to that. Why didn't they? Will I be saved? Well, not everyone will be saved. That's sobering. That's really sobering. But I think Jesus gives us this text to sober us. I don't think he intended to make his listeners just walk away with smiles. He wanted them to really think about what he was saying. And so I hope that we'll think about what Jesus is saying tonight as well. Let's look at the second illustration, the one of the closed door. The closed door. The opportunity is limited. So first, not everyone will be saved, and the, the door closes. There's this, this time span in which we can know that we are saved. Verse 25 says this. It says, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. Now, I want to be clear here. Jesus, when he is speaking, he says, uh, you will stand outside. Now, we can't really tell by reading our, our modern NIVs, but that's, that's not a you singular. So he's not talking to this individual man. He's talking you plural. And his audience right now is people like Pharisees and uh, the religious, the elite, the crowds, even some of his disciples, his disciples. So he's talking to a wide audience. Who I think he is addressing in the context is the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. He's saying, you can't assume that you will get into the heaven and into, into, my, into my dwelling place. I'm going to get up and I'm going to close the door. Make every effort. And then he says, he gets up, closes the door. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. The word sir is the word Lord. It's the word kurios. It's this word that people often used of God. See, there will be a day when we all recognize that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is God. Now, we can recognize that in this life, or we can postpone that recognition to the next life. And by then, it'll be too late. He talks about this closing door. So what are the ways the door closes? Well, I can, I can think of two. One, death. Now, everyone that Jesus was speaking to in that moment has now died. They're all gone. So the door has closed for each and every one of them. And some, most of Jesus' disciples, all but Judas, they came into the kingdom. They were welcomed into the banquet. And there's others who didn't. Other people who rejected Jesus. Now where are we in that? Where are you? Are you still thinking about Jesus? Are you rejecting him? Are you waiting to choose him? Well, there, there's, a, there's a window that's closing. I don't know when you're going to die. I don't know when I'm going to die. But as soon as we pass 
the window of opportunity is closed to know Jesus. So there's that moment, but there's also the return of Christ Jesus. Now that hasn't happened yet. Jesus said that he would one day come again. He died and he rose again and he's seated in heaven. And he's going to return. He's going to return to this world and that's going to be the end. That's going to be judgment. And that can happen at any time. You might be living, you might not. So these are these two ways that, that your window can close. So we want to think about that. Do I, should, I, should I keep postponing something that I need to deal with right now? I, I brought a, a proposal to the, the Board of Elders recently. Uh, so Gordon-Conwell, it's the seminary Monica and I went to, and uh, it's it's where I got my, my MDiv, and they do this little program. It's called the Akinge Fellows Program. The Akinge Fellows Program. It's a two-year program where you go up once a quarter to the seminary for a couple days, and you learn about a topic like uh, the history of New England, uh, workplace theology, um, science, ethics, different things like that. And I brought a proposal to the elders to ask them to give me permission to go up a, a few days over the course of the next two years. And it includes a 10-day trip to China. So I was pretty excited about the opportunity. And they approved it. And then I went to fill out the application. And they had said, the deadline is May 31st. And I pulled up the application window. And it was not yet May 31st. And it said, the, the, the window has closed. The application is no longer available. And I just felt so disappointed. Have you ever done that? Have you ever missed a deadline unintentionally? Now, thankfully, they reopened it, and I was able to apply, and I was accepted, but and I hope with ways that you have missed it, too, you've had experienced a moment of grace as well. But Jesus is telling us, like, the, 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 the application window, the, the time to, to be saved is now. Don't wait until the window of opportunity closes. If you don't know Jesus, I, I beg you, tonight is the night. Because I can't guarantee you a tomorrow. So first, what are these two analogies that Jesus gave us? He gave us the narrow door. Not everyone will be saved. And two, the opportunity is limited. The closed door. But as we continue to work through the text, we learn a few more things. This one's also meant to challenge us. Those who reject Jesus will object when he rejects them. I want to read verses 26 and 28. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and taught, and you taught in our streets. And then he also says, there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. Jesus is saying, like, you're going to say to me, well, what about my heritage? What about where I'm from? Doesn't that matter? They might use the excuse, you know, we ate and drank with you. Really, they're using the uh, kind of the, the response of proximity. <laughs> Jesus, we were close to you. you. You're from Nazareth. We've been to Nazareth. We're, we're right here in your presence right now. Doesn't that, doesn't that merit some favoritism for us? Jesus doesn't have any of it. He's about to say, I don't know you. 
See, we can be really close to the truth. We can be really close to the salvation and still miss it. It's like, it's like a seatbelt. <laughs> well, a seatbelt only does you good if you strap it on, right? You can be right next to this device that will save your life. You can physically be touching it when you get in a car wreck. Because you're not wearing it, you perish. Jesus is saying, like, strap me on. <laughs> Come to me. Be one with me. We ate and drank with you Well, I came to church. I, I had a Bible. Like, I took one of those, those blue Bibles home, and it's, it's on my, my, my shelf, and I, I, I drew a little smiley face in the dust on top of it. My, my grandma, she prays for me all the time. I know the pastor. Like, we've gone golfing or we're, we're friends. We've done CrossFit together. It's two times. <laughs> but those things won't matter. It's not, it's not being, it's, it's not horseshoes. Like, you don't, get, you don't get points just by being close. You have to really deal with it. You have to deal with who Jesus is. We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. It's not where you're from. It's who you know. And that leads us really to Jesus' response. Like what is the key to salvation? How can I be saved? Well, the key to salvation is knowing and being known by Jesus. I'm going to back up to verse 25 and read verse 27. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. We ate and drank with you and, we taught in our, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. <laughs> He's really talking about himself. He's talking about the sir, the Lord here. And, and why don't people get to come into eternal life? Why don't they get to come into the kingdom of God? It's because... The king doesn't know them. The Lord doesn't know them. And this isn't a just like a, a know about. Like we can say in our culture, oh yeah, I know that person. And that may mean like I, I friended them on Facebook or like I saw them like seven years ago. <laughs> That's not the type of knowing Jesus is talking about. It's... it's it's kind of this well-known phrase, but this idea that Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship. See, this is about being in relationship with the one who created us, who made us, who wants to be in a relationship with us. I thought of another passage that's similar to this. When I was uh, growing up, uh, I I don't remember all the sermons. I don't remember most of the sermons at the, the church I grew up in out in Colorado. But I do remember one of the sermons that an elder preached at the church. And he, he talked about the, the parable of the ten virgins. So maybe some of you know this. It's a story of these ten bridesmaids, these ten virgins. And they were uh, to attend the bridegroom as he, as he came into the wedding celebration. And they were, they were waiting for the bridegroom. He wasn't there yet. And, and they had, there was, there was a division. There was five that came prepared, they had lots of oil, and then there were five that didn't. <laughs> and that 
the night got late and he, he delayed in coming and they had to go and get oil and they missed him when he came. And then they went and they tried to get into the wedding ceremony, the banquet, and he opened the door and said, I don't know you. I don't know you. And notice it wasn't on their end. It wasn't, you don't know me. It was, I don't know you. And Jesus is saying the same thing here. I don't know you. I don't know where you're from. Does Jesus know you? Like, you might, for, I, I think maybe one of the reasons it's not put the other way around, because for us, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I know Jesus, I know about him. That's, that's not what Jesus is getting at here. Do I know you? Am I in relationship with you? Have you, you brought your sins to me? Have you confessed like those dark secrets? Have you confessed your shame to me? Have you let me wipe away and wash clean those inner parts of you? Have you let me lead you forward in your life? Am I the king of your life or am I like this, this, this outlying planet that just kind of orbits around who you are and you're the center of your universe? Jesus is the son of God and he's calling us to know him and to be known by him. To let his, his brightness and his holiness and his goodness fill our lives and to be in relationship with him. And there are ways we do that. There are things we do, right? We, we come to church, but we don't come to church in order just to come to church and to check something off. We come to church so that we can experience God and be in God's presence and, and to worship Christ. We, we open the pages of that dusty Bible, not so that we can check something off, but so that we can encounter the living God, so that he can know us and we can confess our sins to him. We pray, we pray, and we, we, we seek the Holy Spirit because we want to be known by God. These are ways that we experience God's presence and who he is. But at the end of the day, it's not what you do. It's who you know. Maybe you've heard that expression. It's who you know. It's not where you're from. It's who you know. That's Jesus' second point. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know where you're from. He's not recognizing their heritage. He's not recognizing them as true descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, those who know me, they're the true descendants of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're the ones who are going to be with me. The key to salvation is knowing and being known by Jesus. Jesus, uh, Peter gives us this verse, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, Luke, the author of our gospel, also wrote Acts. And he says this, he says, Salvation is found in no one else, so no one but Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So we're saved by Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Every one of us can, can walk out of here just assured and comforted that, that we have a saving relationship with Christ as we believe in him and as we trust him and as we confess those sins. Salvation is found in no one else. Will I be saved? Well, there's good news. This passage ends incredibly hopefully. Anyone can know Jesus and be saved. Verse 29 says this. It says, people will come from east 
and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are indeed there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. So this would have been a very surprising statement for Jesus' audience. Because if you're talking about the east and the west and the north and the south, you're talking about pretty much every region besides where Jesus is, besides Israel. And so this means you're talking about the Gentiles, those people that, that this man and, and those like him had assumed were not chosen, were not special, could not come into the kingdom of God because they were unclean and dirty and sinful. And Jesus is saying, my kingdom is for people like that. My, my kingdom is for sinful, dirty, unclean people. And those are the kinds of people Jesus wants in his kingdom. I don't know about you, but I want to come in. I want to come in from the West. Do you? Jesus offers anyone from anywhere to come into the kingdom of God through him, through a relationship with Christ Jesus, with himself. If you don't know Jesus, I hope that you'll come talk to me after the service. We're going to go through a time of communion. And, and after that, come talk to me or come talk to one of the elders so that we can introduce you to who Jesus is. Don't let this pass you by. Will I be saved? Well, it's who you know. That matters. Now we're going to transition to a time of communion, a time of taking the Lord's Supper. And I want us to continue to reflect a little bit on this passage. It fits really nicely, actually. So Jesus says in verse 26, Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. So as we come to communion, we have something to eat. We have a small little cracker. We have something to drink. We have some juice here. We're remembering Christ's body and we're remembering his blood shed for us on the cross as we take them. But that's the call. That's the call for each one of us to not just go through the motions. Don't let this be a, just a religious exercise. Don't let this be just something you do because you're here and, well, it looks tasty. We don't want that. We want us to, to truly pause and to think about Christ and to use this moment as a moment to encounter Christ. And if you do know Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, please take this. Because this is a way to, to relate to him. Uh, it's, a, it's a tangible, physical way. So we have the Bible where we read and we, we can pray. But this is something also special. So I want to read the, the words of institution uh, tonight uh, from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 24. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So part of what Jesus says in the supper is to remember him. We're remembering him. And this word for remembering is not just a intellectually calling to mind. It's not just like, oh yeah, Jesus died and rose again. It's a, Jesus died. Jesus died for my sin to raise me from the grave. We're going to remember, recall, let it resonate in who you are. Now, if you don't know Jesus yet, like this can be the moment. You can confess your sins privately and repent and put your faith in Christ Jesus. And then you can take this. That's, that's, that's all we ask. But if you don't know Jesus, would you just let it pass you by? Because we experience Christ first through forgiveness and grace. And then we can come to the table. I'm going to ask my two communion servers to come on up and help me. The worship team's going to come up too. Let me uh, say a prayer for this and then we will uh, partake. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son dying on the cross, giving his body, giving his blood so that we can live. Would we truly remember as we eat and as we drink, would we know you more? Would you know us more? Would we be known by you as we open up our hearts? Please bless our time together.